Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. It's, uh, it's great to be here, and I am looking forward to uh, uh, when Tyler asked me. I was, uh, it was something that's saying, hey, you know what, I, would, uh, I was looking forward to. So um, I'd like to end up talking to you today, and, and it's about following Jesus is our life-defining moment. So each of us have probably had one or two, maybe several life-defining moments. Looking back through our life, do you recall an event that set you on a new trajectory. You know, for America, I think 9-11 as a major event. For each of us, it could have been a marriage, your first child, maybe a job loss, maybe an accident. So in today's reading in Matthew, Jesus has caused an event that's big, impactful, life-changing, freedom not bound by rigid rules, And so in this series of Jesus versus religion, it is Jesus who impacts our life. So the reading here is from uh, Matthew in chapter 21. It's uh, verses 12 to 17, if they can put it on the screen. So let me read it. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, you have never read. Out of the mouths and infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out to the city, to Bethany, and lodged there. So as we look to this reading, it may sound that Jesus is really angry and maybe having a bad day. But if we had been one of those disciples, no doubt we'd be kind of hiding our face. It's like, you know, oh, Jesus, please, not now, right? But when we look closer... This is really planned by Jesus. It is very significant. So let's unpack this uh, to see what's going on. Time is almost Passover. It's the week before. Everyone from around the region, Jews and Gentiles, have come to Jerusalem. The city is packed with people. The event of the year. It's the Super Bowl. It's the World Series times 10. The temple is the center of everything. It's the central shrine of the people. So Jesus announces to the the disciples on the day before and for the third time that he is going to die. See, we are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and he will be raised on the third day. Pretty significant. Up to this point in Matthew's gospel, Jesus had been a humble man, healing and serving others, demonstrating love and caring to all. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, a very busy Jerusalem, 
where the population has swelled to accommodate Passover. And this is about to change with Jesus declaring to be the Son of God. Jesus rides in on a donkey. The crowds are throwing their cloaks and palm branches onto the ground as welcoming a king. They are shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Wow, here is the king. It's been 900 years since King David's reign. The Jews had been waiting a long time for the son of David to come and save Israel and free them from Roman rule. This is really a big deal. Jesus goes to the temple area outside an area called the Court of the Gentiles, a huge enclosure outside the temple where the market in sacrificial necessities was bought and sold. The market performed a necessary role in providing the animals needed for sacrifice uh, by those who had traveled from a, from a distance and the Tyrene currency which was required for temple dues. So with Passover and so many people coming to Jerusalem, the market was, was filled, selling doves at elevated prices. Foreign currency was being exchanged for Tyrene dollars and the rate of exchange was very high. Some may think of this as a microeconomic model of supply and demand, but this was like price gouging. So here Jesus, or the, the reading is Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers. By overturning the tables, Jesus rejects the whole system of sacrificial worship. It had turned into big business, particularly since the temple authorities allowed its practices. They benefited from it financially as they were considered part of the Jewish elite. And the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The significance here is the blind and the lame were not allowed inside the temple. This exclusion had dated back to King David's time when he captured an area from the Jebusites who had taunted him about even the blind and the lame couldn't keep him out. Here's Jesus now welcoming and healing them in the temple. And it's also noted that this is the only recorded healing in the temple by Jesus. It goes, the reading goes on, when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna the, to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, you have never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies. In this reading, they describe the chief priests and scribes as being indignant. And the dictionary just translate indignant as being annoyed. They were insulted. Not sure if indignant is strong enough word here. Here was the mass of people shouting for Jesus. You are the son of David, the Messiah. And then with Jesus overturning the tables in the temple area and challenging their business and source of money, to healing the blind and the lame in the temple, which had never been done before, and letting the Pharisees know that the children were, all, were more observant than them. Clearly, the Pharisees were very threatened by Jesus and indeed wanted to kill him. 
Jesus not only sets himself above the existing religious authorities of his, of his nation, he is being claimed to be the king, the Messiah. He's letting this whole system of sacrificial worship being developed into something which is no longer acceptable to God. This has been a life-defining moment for everyone at the temple, believers and non-believers who are attending the Passover festival, and for many Christ followers that came after. People suffering poor health, those who were blind or disabled, or suffering from emotional and physical illness, all were affected. I think many of us can look back through our life and see those life-defining moments, moments that set us on a different path, just like the people in the temple that day with Jesus. I don't know what your life-defining moment might have been. It could have been something major like Jesus clearing the temple or something subtle or simple. For me, it was a slum in Kenya. Growing up, church was a regular Sunday occurrence, attending Sunday school and then taking confirmation classes. Monique and I had met many years ago in Winnipeg, Canada. At the time, I was a Canadian Mountie. Monique was a nursing student at the university and had applied to become a Mountie as well. I took her application and persistently pursued her until she finally agreed to a date. The movie motto that uh, Mounties always get their man, in this case, the bounty got his bride. So Monique and I got married. Uh, kids went to Christian school. And I helped at worship service. I did the things at church that I believe was required. It was a checklist that I was supposed to do. The church we were attending announced a mission trip to Kenya. Monique was very interested and said we should think about going. I love to travel, especially internationally, uh, but I had zero desire to go to Africa. They had diseases I couldn't even spell. No way. So Monique went with a small team of about 12 people and came back to say it was an amazing experience, life-defining. Not long after, we heard of a small team going to Kenya. The team was part of medical ambassadors who helped provide basic health education into the poor communities. They asked if we were interested, and we said yes. Right before we were about to leave, the other couple couldn't go. Monique and I were on our own. We'd meet with the host director in Nairobi for our trip. And let me first say that I had no agenda. I had no set expectations in going. I was going to see Kenya, travel around the country, have some health meetings, maybe see a few lions and giraffes. So we landed in Nairobi, about 24 hours to travel, and spent Sunday at church and sleeping. On our first day, our host said we were going to go visit a slum in Nairobi. There are a number of slums in Nairobi. A, a Nairobi slum is where tens of thousands, literally tens of thousands of people, very poor people and families, live in a small space, some no bigger than a closet under a roof of tin and cardboard walls by, earn, by people who earn a dollar or two dollars a day, where there is no running water and sewage runs down the street. Life is hard.
On this day, uh, we were visiting a slum called Gitoamba, and we walked across a bridge into the poor area. It was a river that, if you fell in, I'd swear you'd glow uh, from all the, uh, the, the contaminants in the water. We walked up this muddy path, and I remember following a woman that had a baby on the back, and she was barefoot in the mud. And it was kind of like, this just doesn't seem right. As we rounded the corner, I see a big group of four or five-year-old children coming out to greet us. They were so happy to see us. All they wanted to do was touch the Mzungu, the white person. I would soon learn these kids were waiting to have some food, rice and maize. For many of the children, they hadn't eaten since yesterday at this time. The food that they were eating was donated as a family couldn't pay for anything. When I spoke with a teacher, she said some of the children would cry because of their hunger. For me, I felt shattered. Why them? Why these innocent kids? In those moments in Gitawamba, I felt Jesus in a never-experienced way. I was blessed in so many ways. A home, a family, a good job, taking many things for granted. This time, I felt my world was turned upside down. How these children had so very little and yet filled with so much joy. What was Jesus was asking me what was really important. The rest of our trip was a confirmation of what happened in Gitoamba. We visited about 15 communities throughout Kenya, going from the city of Nairobi to mud huts. My world had been shaken. I had experienced a life-defining moment, just like the people in the temple. For me, it was going from religion, checking the list of accomplishments, to, really, to realizing that I had been saved by grace. Nothing that I could do, just accept his love and to love others as best as I could. Tim Keller does a great job of describing religion versus gospel. He compares religion here on the left, I obey, therefore I'm accepted, where the gospel says, you know what, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Religion says I obey God in order to get things from God. The gospel says I obey God to get to God, just to delight and resemble him. It says the other one, religion, when circumstances in my life go wrong, I'm angry at God or myself, since I believe, just like Job's friends, that anyone who is good, hey, deserves a comfortable life. I think of the genie, right? You know, rub the, rub the genie, and all of a sudden, the magic, what we ask for, appears. The gospel says, when circumstances in my life go wrong, I struggle. But I know all my punishment fell on Jesus, and that while he may allow this for my training, he will exercise his fatherly love within my trial. Keller went on to say, gospel is the good news. It is not advice. Gospel doesn't say what we need to do. The gospel is what Jesus has done for you. Other religions in the world has a teacher or a prophet who says, if you do this and this and this, you'll find God. Only Christianity 
has a God that says, I've come for, to do for you what you could have never done. Taryn Williams described religions of the world as a ladder. And like this, I obey, then God accepts me. You climb the ladder by obeying the moral and religious rules. The Buddhists have their eight noble-fold way to follow and achieve nirvana. Muslims have the five pillars of Islam. I obey, I pray, I fast, I take the pilgrimage, and then I'm accepted. Hindus have a law of karma, rewarding good deeds, repaying bad deeds. Religion, I believe, has us waiting for a FedEx package from God, expecting that we're going to go get detailed instructions from God and where to, how to live our lives. When nothing positive happens, we're disappointed. But the gospel encourages us to step out in faith, no waiting for FedEx. It's trusting in God to lead our footsteps. Dr. Charles Stanley, a Christian writer and pastor, wrote, when we walk in the spirit, alert to God, we hear what he's saying to us as a natural part of our spiritual walk. This is the Christian life, living keenly responsive to the voice of God in whatever fashion he may choose to speak to us. Walking with Jesus, I think of being on an adventure. It's like going to Yellowstone or a tropical island like Hawaii or maybe traveling to Paris. It's the excitement starting from getting packed up or leaving your home. Yes, even the plane or car ride is fun as we look forward to getting there just as we journey through life with Jesus. And along the way, we may experience some disappointment when our flight's delayed, our car breaks down, or they've lost our reservation. Sometimes we feel so off course that we're not sure whether we'll get there, but we keep moving ahead. As an adventurist, we are focused on the destination, the expectation of something so beautiful, the destination so clear in our mind that we are not focused on ourselves, but all around us. And when a flat tire or delayed flight hits, it's a disappointment, but it doesn't spoil the journey. Along the way, we get to meet people, some who are so much fun, they plan to meet you where you're going. And some who have different worldviews than us. They like broccoli, not me. <laughs> In the end, you were rewarded with something so spectacular that it's beyond our dreams. Sounds like heaven. And along the journey, we may get to experience new things that take us by surprise. This sets us on a new adventure. Charles Stanley also said, there's no such thing as an accident with God. The Father may use many different methods to get our attention, keep us in alignment with his will for our lives. But we must always remember that he knows exactly what's best for us. This is so true. I'm going to invite the band back up. Three years ago, Monique and I moved to Blaine as I uh, needed to be close to Vancouver for work. We thought we'd be here two months. Uh, and, but time flew by thinking many times, where's our adventure going? Monique came home one day and mentioned about a chaplain training program focused on crisis and trauma. And this interested both of us given our experience in uh, police community nursing. Today, 
Monique and I are chaplains and serve as support officers here in the county. When police or emergency services are called to any sudden death, we attend with them to be one to be we attend with them to be with the next of kin. Whether it's a death from natural causes, it's a suicide, it's an accident, we're there to support the family in crisis. How many times have we heard Jeremiah 2011? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, so I give you a future and hope. When I went out on my first call as a support officer, everything from my days as a policeman and a chaplain came flooding back. I knew why God had me there. It was to serve and to comfort those in crisis. Had lost a loved one to be there with them just to pray with the hurting. I share this story because I believe God calls each one of us. You have a unique, special story that God wants to use. We may be at different phases in our journey, but for some it may be clear, like Bruce and Carolyn to lead Alpha. For others it may be to serve within our church and kids ministry, or worship, or hospitality. It may be in our workplace, a co to help a coworker, or just in our community. It's not what people see us do, it's what God sees. It's between God and you. When Jesus went to the temple, it was the beginning of change. Jesus going to the cross erased the rules so many of us can have life-defining, so many of us can have life-defining moments, whatever that looks like for each one of us. Jesus allows us to go free on this adventure with him. Free. Zero. Nothing. There's no sign-up fee, no ladder to climb, no house to clean or work project to complete. There's no on hold or detention because we screwed up. If that was the case, I'd never go anywhere. I'd be so in debt. The good news about the gospel is we get to go on this amazing journey. So please stand and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what Jesus did on the cross for us. That we could go on this amazing journey with you. No rules, no penalties, just your love and loads of grace. I thank you that we can come together as a church this morning to sing your praises. I pray that you would allow us to reach out to our community and be your loving voice. This morning, I pray for everyone here. You know, you know each one of us, our thoughts, our hopes, and our hearts. That you would give us the energy, courage, and desire to follow you. And for those having a difficult time, I pray that you would speak to them and carry them through this hard time. Give us your light for our journey, your challenge to our perceptions, and your presence to renew us. We lift up these prayers and ask them in your wonderful name. Amen. <laughs>